To find out more about the series, please visit our website at virgilkaylock.uk. The Strange Tales of Virgil Kaylock of Ice and Darkness. Chapter 2 My first perception of the Axel Valborg was the smell, a stench that brought my kerchief to my nose even before I saw the ship. The wharf was almost empty, the palpable foulness spread like an invisible fog around the dockside. The few brave souls who were loading the ship were clearly immune to the stink. I stood with my trunk beneath the huge vessel, unsure how to proceed. The Valborg was the fastest way to get to the Arctic Circle. The summer months were coming to an end, and there was no time to wait for more fragrant transport. The ice would soon be building up again, and the way might be impassable if we left it any longer. The times had changed so much since my last sea voyage aboard the Albion. The Axel Valborg was a whaling ship, a vast steam-powered floating factory with funnels and cranes. Its engines thumped behind the huge metal hull which dripped with black grease. <coughs> the romance of the sailing ship was over. <coughs> it's the veil oil. Costs more than gold, but it stinks, yes? A large man was thrusting a packet of cigarettes towards me. He had red hair, a red face, and overalls over a thick woolen jersey. Smoke? No, no thanks. It keeps the smell away. Oh, no, no, really, thank you. Um, I believe I have a berth on this ship. I'm going to Greenland. It's all arranged. I'm travelling with Dr. Lennox. You are Mr. Virgil Kaylock? That's right. Jorgen Olsen. He extended a large, weather-beaten hand and crushed my fingers in a tight grip. How do you do? I hope you bring the good weather in your trunk. <laughs> oh, yes. You want me to help? Thanks. Yes, it's rather heavy. To my astonishment, Jorgen Olsen lifted my entire trunk in his large hands, threw it onto his back, and set off towards the ship. I made to follow him, but was stopped by a voice behind me. I wouldn't rush to get aboard. It's foul. The smell only gets worse. Agatha Lennox was at my shoulder. Again, she was dressed in the modern style, in a matching tweed jacket and skirt. Trim and neat and almost prim, but for her chestnut and copper curls, which fell loosely onto her shoulders. I went to the cabin, but felt so nauseous I had to leave again. Oh. Don't worry. Jorgen will take care of your kit. He's a good man to have on your side. He's on the expedition? Yes, thank God. And you're here to see your father off? Not at all. I'm here to take him to Greenland. You're taking the voyage? Yes. To Greenland? Yes. I don't understand. What? Don't you understand? You're on the expedition. I just said I was. But... But what? But it's dangerous. Oh, is it? I hadn't heard. Um, and how familiar are you with the polar regions, Mr. Kaylock? Well, To I... be inexperienced in the Arctic is an extremely dangerous condition. To be avoided, I should say. You still have time to change your mind. I know what I'm doing, Miss Lennox. But you see, you don't. I'm serious, Mr. Kaylock. My advice to you is to walk away. Go home. 
I'll have your truck delivered. No, thank you. Once we depart, there will be no turning back. I will board this ship and I will do my job. I appreciate that you do not think me fit for this enterprise, but you are mistaken. I am quite able. I've been entrusted with a task and I will complete it to the best of my ability. Well then, see you on board. She strode off towards the gangplank. Agatha was right. The ship was just as revolting on the inside. I heaved my trunk into a tiny cabin with a bunk bed and no window. The walls, once green, were now a tobacco smoke yellow, and every surface seemed to be covered by a pungent dark grease. As I sat forlornly on the wire bed, I could feel the vast ship leave the port, head down the Humber, and out into the North Sea. It would take us nine days to reach the Greenland coast. Aboard the Albion, there had been dinners and parties. It had been a festive affair. The Valborg held no such divertissements. The days were spent in dull monotony, reading in my cabin or walking the large deck. It was the size of a football field, empty and scrubbed clean, though the huge swinging hooks and the channels in the floor made known its brutal purpose. I would occasionally see Dr. Lennox and his daughter out walking, but I did not approach them. He appeared stooped and older than his years, almost frail, and Agatha accompanied him attentively, like a nurse. On the first of many perambulations, I happened upon Nina, the ship's goat, a placid animal that munched steadily through a regular supply of treats brought to her by the sailors. Nina was the ship's mascot, and was treated with great affection. Her pen, I discovered, was the meeting place and social focus of the vessel. It was where the men would come for a smoke or a coffee and a chat. And I spent a good deal of the day feeding Nina and watching her chew. I think she likes you. I think she likes cabbage. Jorgen Olsen was also a regular visitor at the pen of Princess Nina. Smoke? Oh, um, thanks. It's very kind. Thanks. <coughs> Sorry. Not too cold, is it? Though I can feel it's getting brisker. We won't have long time in Greenland. It is the north. When the ice comes, you get stuck until the spring. One week and back. Just one. Right. The veiling season is over. The sun is going down. We must be careful, I think. There are bears there now. Yes. Have you seen one? Oh, yes. Many times. But the bear will see you before you see the bear. Oh, yes. Yes. Smell you, too. What do you do? I mean, if you see a bear. You shoot or you run. Better to shoot, which is faster than you. You have a gun, yes? No, I don't. No gun. But you can shoot. Well, um, somewhat, of course. Just a little. Good. Then I will give you a gun. Just a little one. <laughs> You're a hunter? Oh, yes. You like seal meat? So how long have you worked with Dr. Lennox? Oh, yes, many years. For too long, I think. Why do you say that? <laughs> there is no one else who will do it. I am the stupid one. Surely not. Oh, yes, very stupid. But without me, he has no one. Someone has to carry the bags. <laughs> but seriously? Ah, uh, well, I, I tell him to stop many times, but he will never stop, I think. Why? Olsen gave a big shrug and looked out to sea. And his daughter? Mm. This is a bad idea, no. But she wants to look after him, so... 
This is her first time? <laughs> it is a big mistake, I think. She gave me the impression that she'd been hundreds of times. The Arctic is not a place for the ladies. No, I should think not. Not for the men also. <laughs> Look at this foot. There are no toes there. Really? <laughs> All gone. <laughs> My God. How did it happen? Too long on the ice. It is when they stop hurting you know there is trouble. The doctor's hand? Yes, that is the frostbite. His fingers go black, but he keeps on. He will not stop searching, searching. He will never stop. Searching for what? I received no reply, just a good-natured smile and the offer of another cigarette. This island, Nananapog, have you been there? No, there are many islands there. Have you heard the name Shaoman Car? Jorgen Olsen looked out to sea. He was not unfriendly, but his smile was gone. Mr. Kalok, you ask me many things. I do not know what to tell you because these questions are not from me, I think. I just carry the bags. As the days passed, the air grew colder and began to freeze. My breath came in shallow gasps to protect my lungs. The sea filled with small chunks of ice which increased in size as we continued steadily northward. By the time we approached the Greenland coast, they had become icebergs which knocked against the hull, booming through the ship like distant, mournful thunder. Thud, thud, thud. The prince sits in the city of the dead. I dare not raise my head to see those cold, empty eyes boring into mine, pitiless, relentless. What is that noise? Why will it never stop? That dream again. I needed to escape my cell and clear my mind with fresh air. I pulled on my coat and headed out onto the deck. The sea was calm, and though the wind was gentle, it was freezing cold. It was late, perhaps two in the morning, but the sky was still light. In a few days, the sun will go down, and it won't come back until the spring. We don't have long before the sea freezes. Agatha was standing at the railing. We'll have to be quick, get this over and done with, and we get out. I don't want to spend seven months in darkness. I couldn't sleep. I'm surprised to see you. I haven't seen you or your father for days. He gets seasick. We're just riding it out. Is he all right? He sleeps a lot. It's what he does best. He's quite well, I hope. Can you think of something better to do on this floating abattoir? No, fair point. Don't worry, he's strong enough for what needs to be done. I have the impression that the Doctor and I have different expectations for this enterprise. He told you not to come, as did I. Jorgen tells me that you are as inexperienced as I am. Jorgen is loyal to my father. He has kept him safe for many years and I'm grateful for him. Is it true? My father has been preparing me for this moment since I was born. My childhood was spent in snow and ice. I was educated in the freezing mountains of Switzerland, not a refined finishing school. Switzerland? The Alps, the Jura. You're Swiss? Lennox is a Scottish name, isn't it? And what sort of name is Kaylock? What do you hope to find there, on the island? I hope we find nothing at all. And what about your father? Do you know what Nananapok means? No. It's an Inuit name. It means land of endless pain. The Tunumit people stay clear of it. They say it's haunted. By what? The thing that killed the trappers? 
He wants to talk to you. He'll see you in his cabin in the morning, 10 o'clock. Come in. As I entered, Dr. Lennox stood to shake my hand. We had not spoken since our peculiar encounter at the Wheel of Life. He was tall and well-dressed, with an angular face and grey, receding hair. His skin was a better colour than at our last meeting, but he did not look healthy. Mr. Kalock. He shook my hand warmly and, smiling, welcomed me in. Thank you. His cabin was larger and more comfortable than mine, and he had a window. A typewriter sat on a desk among an orderly pile of books. His bed was tidy and counterpaned. There were even framed paintings on the walls. Two chairs sat either side of his travelling trunk, which served as a makeshift table, on which stood a candle, a bottle of whiskey, and two glasses. Drink? I will, thanks. Do sit down. Thank you. I appreciate you dropping by. I hope to convince you that I'm respectable and serious. And temperate. There's no need, really. Intoxication is not a pretty business. I did not mean to alarm you. I wasn't alarmed. Be assured you will not see me in that state again. I probably rambled, did I? A little, yes. I hope you can forgive me and put the incident from your mind. Of course. Thank you. And how is your trip so far? It's fine. I hadn't expected luxury. Agatha tells me you have never been this far north. It's true I am inexperienced, but I won't hold you back, I promise. You are young and adventurous. You want to see the world. I understand. He walked to the small round window and studied the sky and the waves, his breath misting on the cold glass. The air. Can you feel it? It changes the moment you cross the Arctic Circle. It's different. It's colder. Yes, colder, crisper, cleaner. It is air without the stain of civilization. Up here, man has no significance at all. I'm not good in company. I'm prone to melancholia. It is affliction common to many, to poets and scientists alike. <laughs> well, I'm not much of a poet, and I'm certainly no scientist. Oh? Why do you say that? Well, I'm not a poet because I lack imagination, and I'm not a scientist because... Well, because I suppose progress frightens me. Oh? Why? I think that what we see as progress is often quite the reverse. Science is the last refuge of the stupid. You're not serious. Surely. You suppose that science improves us? You are mistaken. But the steam engine, electricity... Oh, it has brought us wealth and comfort, the medicines, the machines, the speed, the light. We are all as addicted to innovation as I am to opium. We want it, we need it. But no amount of progress will ever be enough for mankind. Discovery after discovery after discovery. It is like a delicious, irresistible fruit that contains the hard, bitter seed of our inevitable destruction. I sincerely hope that's not true. The line that divides science from necromancy is thin, if it exists at all. Our wondrous creations will, in time, eat us alive. But you are a geographer. You are a scientist. You seek to understand the Arctic. The Arctic is not there to be understood. The missing men thought otherwise. And look what happened to them. I'm certain it was not science that killed them. Then you are wrong. It was. Science will destroy us all before too long. May I join you? I think you better had. I could hear you orating from the end of the corridor. Poor Mr. Kalock. I told him I was not fit for society. How much have you had? Too much. Once we leave this boat, there'll be no more whiskey. You must forgive my vehemence, Mr. Kalock. I come from a family of scientists. I trained as a scientist. My father 
was a scientist. Oh, yes? His work, his great genius, has brought this family nothing but pain, death and sorrow. Perhaps I've heard of him? Mr. Kaylock, we will soon arrive at Nananapok. It is more remote than you can imagine, out of sight and out of mind. It is the last great hiding place on Earth. Journey's end. I would like to suggest that you remain on the ship. But why? Mr. Kaylock, I asked you to stay behind for your own good. The misfortune of my family should not trouble you or lead you into hazard. What misfortune? What do you mean? My job is to find out what happened to Joseph Meeks and his companions. Mr. Kaylock, I'm trying to be open with you. You cannot help those men. They are long dead. This expedition is not for you. I think that finding those men is the last thing on your mind. You have some other purpose. My purpose is to destroy the thing that killed them. Shaman Ka. There's no such thing as Shaman Ka. The creature that killed those men, the beast that I have pursued for a lifetime, is much, much worse. It is a man-made monstrosity. A creature without a soul, cursed by nature and cursed by man, and most certainly cursed by God. What in God's name is it? It is an abomination, a monster. It is the blasphemous progeny of my father. Who was your father? I will not speak his name. His name, the name of his father, the name of my grandfather, was Victor von Frankenstein. Ice and Darkness, Chapter 2. Virgil Kaylock was played by Nicholas Bolton. The Young Kaylock, Daniel Fraser. Dr. Lennox, Andrew Havel. Agatha Lennox, Ellie Piercy. Jorgen Olsen, Fergus O'Donnell. And Dorothy Bell was played by Ellie Turner. The music was composed and performed by Neil Brand. The Strange Tales of Virgil Kaylock are produced by Richard Varman, Martin Malone, and John Ram, and are supported using lottery funding by the National Lottery through Arts Council England. It is a Kaylock production. To find out more about the series, please visit our website at virgilkaylock.uk.